Hello and welcome to the G2 podcast. I am scared of dolls. I don't know what it is about them, but I find them really creepy. It might be their cold, dead eyes, their grasping little hands, or the way they always feel like they're watching me. I don't know what it is, but they absolutely terrify me. So imagine the fun I have walking past York's biggest doll shop on my way to work. And when I try and explain to people why dolls freak me out so much, I get some very odd looks. People tell me to grow up, or it's just a child's toy, or they're really harmless, but to me, they're really weird. But the good news, I think, is I'm not the only one that seems to be scared of something that's a little bit daft. I asked my friends, what's the strangest thing that you're scared of? And the answers did surprise me. Hoovers, ferrets, the Muppets, the sound of the toilet flushing. My girlfriend is afraid of men with beards. Awkward. Uh, I think all of us might have something that we're scared of in life. To others, it might seem a bit silly, but to us, the fear can be extremely real. But the thing about being afraid is that sometimes fear can become overwhelming, can almost get debilitating and become the lens through which we see the world. Sometimes it can seem like everything in our world is screaming, be afraid. It could be COVID, the Ukraine, the cost of living. Our news loves to give us reasons to be scared. But sometimes the fear can be more personal. Job security, marriage problems, exams, money worries. I think most of us have something in our lives that we are scared of. And whatever stage we're at in life, it always seems like there's a reason for us to be afraid. So I'll give you an example. Some of you will know that I struggle with anxiety and depression. And part of that is that I worry a lot. So what my brain tends to do is it tends to play the what-if game. I don't know if anyone else plays it, but what happens is you take a small worry and you ask, what if that happened? And your brain goes through everything that could happen. And by the time you're done, you've got 10 more things to worry about. Like, um, you know, what if I never get married? What if we get married and I can't have kids? What if I have 12 kids? What if the COVID happens and the school's closed and I've got to homeschool those 12 kids? What if those kids are idiots because I homeschooled them? I think most of us have those what-ifs in our lives, the things that keep us up at night. And the thing is, the more we worry, the more what-ifs we'll find to worry about. What if I lose my job? What if I fail my exam? What if it's cancer? What if they never change? Fear will always give us another what-if to worry about. So the question is, how do we respond when we're afraid? Well, the Christian writer Craig Rochelle said that our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So essentially, your focus right now determines your future. And that's good news if our thoughts are really positive and helpful, but it's incredibly bad news if our thoughts are driven by fear. Now, all of us will experience fear, but when it doesn't dominate our thoughts, then our focus can be really clearly on God. And we'll move deeper into our relationship with him. We'll discover more his love, mercy and grace. But fear that's overwhelming can distort our focus. When our thoughts are dominated by fear, then that's the direction that our life will move in. And we might not mean it to, but step by step, we can go from this close relationship with God to a life 
that is overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. Because fear absent God can be traumatic. It destroys emotionally, spiritually, relationally and physically because it isn't what God wants for us. You see, a life focused on fear will always lead us away from God. But a life focused on God always leads to new life in him. So when it comes to fear, God's word gives us a really simple answer. He says, do not be afraid. It's actually the most repeated command in the Bible. And when the Bible repeats something, it's normally so we pay attention. Now, it sounds a bit unrealistic. Do not be afraid. None of us, if we're honest, would actually choose to be afraid. But we can learn a lot from what God isn't saying. God isn't saying don't feel fear. Fear is a natural human emotion and God created us to feel those emotions. But when God says do not be afraid, it's actually an invitation. It's an invitation for us to live lives that are not defined by fear, but are defined by faith. It means we can choose not to put our focus in the fear of the world around us, but instead our faith and our focus are in Jesus Christ alone. Because when faith moves in, fear moves out. You see, the antidote to fear is faith. 1 John tells us that perfect love casts out fear. We experience perfect love only in Jesus Christ. Jesus died and rose again because of his perfect love for us. And because of that perfect love, we can choose to respond in faith. Faith to choose to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he rose from the dead and nothing is outside of his control. And when we have that faith, something incredible can happen because it's in the place of our greatest fear that Jesus can transform it. Because when faith moves in, fear has to move out. You see, it's because of the resurrection that Jesus becomes our living hope. And that's hope that's real, that's active, that transforms lives, that tears down strongholds and brings long-awaited breakthrough. Because of the resurrection, our fears can be places of hope where we see God's love more clearly, more tangibly and much more deeply. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid anymore. But what does that actually look like? Well, today we're going to see how Jesus meets two women in the place of their greatest fear, and he transforms their lives. Turn with me in your Bibles or your apps to Matthew 28. Just to bring us up to speed, we have been celebrating Holy Week, and Jesus has been attracting, at this point in the Bible, a huge following for about three years. And he's welcomed into Jerusalem as king. And he does lots of miracles, loves people, gives them hope, peace and joy, but then it happens. He's betrayed by one of his closest friends for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus is arrested and put on a mock trial. He's beaten, humiliated, whipped, tortured and paraded through the streets of Jerusalem before being nailed to a cross to die. For Jesus' followers, waking up on that first Easter morning wouldn't have been like waking up today. To many waking up on that first Easter, they were waking to a nightmare. You see, Jesus' followers had spent three years following this incredible teacher, a man who brought wisdom, hope and joy everywhere he went. And all through their journey with him, he keeps saying there is hope and the best is yet to come. And yet they've seen him 
arrested, humiliated, tortured, bleeding on a cross for hours in agony, screaming before he finally dies. So what now? Their entire lives were wrapped up in him. What happens now they're gone? Were they going to be persecuted? Would they be murdered as well? What about all those hopes and those dreams of a a better future and a better world? It's all been snatched away. Waking up on that first Easter morning was waking up to a world that's been shattered. Have we ever been in that place where it feels like all the good has gone out of the world? Maybe like the followers of Jesus, it feels like hope has died and all we can see is fear. And it's into that awful morning that we see these two women, both named Mary, making their way to where Jesus' body was kept. Only seven days ago, thousands were screaming, Hosanna to the King of Kings, as they celebrate Jesus entering Jerusalem. And yet, just a week later, these two women are all that's left. So who were they? Well, one was a lady called Mary Magdalene, who Jesus healed earlier in the book of Mark. And the other Mary, there is some debate over. She might have been Jesus' aunt or the mother of James, one of Jesus' closest friends. And here they are, visiting the tomb of Jesus. They're going there to prepare the body before it would be properly buried. And you have to wonder, what are these women thinking? Have they come to the tomb to bury what's left of their hopes and dreams? It's hard to imagine they're not utterly consumed by grief and fear. And yet, in these two ordinary women, we are going to see something amazing because God calls these two ordinary, broken, hurting people in the midst of their greatest pain. And because of the resurrection, their lives are changed forever. And today, God calls us ordinary, broken, hurting people in the midst of our deepest fear to have our lives changed forever because of the resurrection. And in verses two to four, We see some miraculous but scary stuff. There's an earthquake. Not just a gentle shake, but a violent cataclysmic quake. An angel appears. The heavy stone covering the tomb is rolled away and the tomb is empty. The angel, the empty tomb, the earthquake. These aren't things that happen every day. Any one of them is a once in a lifetime event and yet they happen quickly one after the other. And Matthew tells us the Roman guards that saw these were so scared they became like dead men. That's what happens when fear gets too much for us, when God doesn't transform it. It takes us to a place of death. Spiritual exhaustion, emotional burnout, relational collapse, physical harm. Fear, absent God, will always lead to death. And yet despite all this, Mary and Mary keep going towards the tomb. The stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty. Jesus has risen from the dead. Because it's in the spaces and places where we are most scared that God gives us a fuller revelation of who he is and how much he loves us. This stone isn't rolled away to let Jesus out. He's already risen from the dead. The stone is rolled away so that Mary and Mary can see that the tomb is empty so they can see God's love in a tangible, real way. Because Matthew was showing us that in the place of their deepest fear, the empty tomb shows these women more of God's love, his goodness, his grace. It's because of God's love 
for us that the tomb is empty. It's because of Jesus' love for us that he rose from the dead. And it's in the places where we feel most scared that should we decide to look, we can see more of God. The first words the angel spoke to the women are, do not be afraid. You see, all through the life of Jesus, people are afraid. And all through Jesus' life, God keeps saying, don't be afraid. When Jesus was born, Herod was so scared of this king that he committed genocide. And yet angels appeared to Mary, Joseph and their shepherds that said, do not be afraid. God is sending his son. When Jesus lived, the religious leaders were so scared of him, they planned to murder him. And yet Jesus says to his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. When Jesus was killed, Pilate was so scared of civil war, he hands Jesus to a mob. And yet even on the cross, bleeding to death, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Every time there is a reason to be afraid, God gives a simple command. Do not be afraid. The angel tells these women why they shouldn't be afraid. We see that the angel says, I know that you seek Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just like he said. The angel is showing these women that everything Jesus said and that everything he did was true. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus is alive. It means there's no reason to be afraid. It means the God who said over and over that he would be murdered and rise again has done it. These women saw him on a cross. They knew his body was in the tomb, but now he is alive again. The tomb is empty and they can see that Jesus has conquered death. So they have no reason to fear death either. And if Jesus has conquered death and the consequence of our sin is death, then Jesus has conquered the power of sin in our lives. Jesus has destroyed death hell and the grave. And if Jesus can come or overcome all that, there is no reason for us to be afraid. Because of the resurrection, we don't have to be afraid. It's in that moment that we see this good news of Jesus transform the fear that Mary and Mary felt. Scripture tells us that these women were full, were afraid, yet filled with joy. And that's a really odd combination of emotions. God has not removed their fear, but God has transformed it. He has met them in their place of greatest hurt, their greatest fear, and he has transformed it. Their hearts know joy again. Where has our hope been stolen? Where are our hearts scared and scarred? Where do we need Jesus to bring joy again? God is saying, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Jesus can transform our fears. These two women are also then sent out with a new purpose. Verse 8 tells us they ran to tell his disciples. You see, when you encounter Jesus in the place of your greatest fear, when you see that fuller revelation of who God is and just how much he loves you, then your life will never be the same again. And that is the difference that Easter makes. Fear in a dangerous and a confusing world is still appropriate, but fear doesn't change the promise that we as Christians can stand on. 
that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, these two women don't have to give in to fear. They can live by faith and so can we because when faith moves in, fear moves out. And we see in verse 10, these women encounter Jesus. Jesus appears to them and says, do not be afraid. Because it's in the midst of our deepest fears, our greatest hurts, where we see where we see more and we encounter God more fully. It's here they see the risen Jesus, the son of God, raised from the dead. You see, fear will always take us from God. It will distort our view of who he is and how much he loves us. And yet, because of the resurrection, we don't have to be afraid. God wants to meet us in our hurts and fears. God wants to transform them, to send us out utterly changed and wrecked by his incredible love and grace. These women begin a movement that will transform the world because of Jesus Christ. What will God do in the place of your greatest fear? God has given each of you a city to impact, a generation to uplift and a kingdom to build. Will you let God transform your greatest fears? So what do we do with all this? Sometimes it can seem like this story, this this greatest moment in human history can seem like something that's not really applicable for us. But this life can be scary. We can live in an age that is terrifying. If we let it, fear can overwhelm us. So let me ask you, where are you scared right now? Where are you afraid? Where do you feel like you've lost hope? Do we feel like we can't go on? Are we worried that we're burning out? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Because Jesus says that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Are we afraid of being alone? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Because Jesus says the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Are we, are we scared of the future that things might never get better? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Because God's word says the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us. Family, please don't let your fears distract you from the purpose that God has put in you. Whatever it is that we're scared of, no matter how big it seems or how powerless we might feel, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Are we willing to look for Jesus in our, the place of our greatest fear, in the place of our deepest fear and hurt? Are we willing to let faith move in? so that fear can move out. In fact, I'll go one step further. I think some of you watching this right now might feel like you're scared of the whole Jesus thing. Maybe we know we need to say sorry to God or we haven't spoken to him in a long time. Maybe we're scared to give ourselves fully to God because we think he's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do or it'll change our lives too much. Maybe we've never really known good Jesus fully. And we think we're not good enough for him. And truthfully, we're not good enough for him. We never will be. We can't do it ourselves. And that's why the resurrection is so important. You see, we're made for a perfect relationship with God, but we mess it up with our own sin. All of us have messed it up. All of us can be selfish or mean or hurtful. But Jesus is God's ultimate rescue plan. He came 
lived a perfect, sinless life and was murdered on a cross, paying the price for our sins. And when he rose from the dead, because of his radical love for us, he destroyed death, hell and the grave, making us a way back into a relationship with a perfectly loving and holy God that we can know as Father. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid. You know, every religion or belief system out there says, do all this crazy stuff to get to heaven or do this for a good life. But the empty tomb of Jesus Christ shows us we don't have to do anything because Jesus has already done it. There's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are loved, we are rescued and we are made right with God. And if you're scared right now, let me encourage you, say yes to Jesus. Let God's love transform your fears, change your hurts. Let God's love bring new life. Whether that's the the first time or the hundredth time, say yes to Jesus right now. Because Mary and Mary encountered Jesus in the place of their greatest fear and they were completely transformed. They went on to tell the world about the amazing things that God has done and we can do the same. Because of the resurrection, we don't have to be afraid. We can live lives that are utterly transformed by God's radical love. And because of that, we can see this world utterly transformed by God's love and grace. Hope restored, people set free, new life again. All we have to do is let Jesus transform those places where we are afraid, where we know fear and hopelessness. When we choose not to be afraid, when we choose faith over fear, our lives and this world will never be the same. Because of the resurrection, we don't have to be afraid. Because when faith moves in, fear has to move out. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God that meets us in our place of our greatest fear. Father, I pray for all those watching or listening to this at home. Father, I pray that you would meet them in the place of their greatest fear. That you would transform it, bring joy, hope and restoration. And may we never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen.